So yesterday, what we were talking about is the insistence that all aspects of human life provide an opportunity to serve God. We were on page 250, and we were going through seven different steps that Rav Hirsch has, has uh, you know, developed in his structure of how to understand the Jewish perspective on the world. And right at the begin bottom of the page, the picture that emerges from these seven steps is of a Judaism that affirms life and rejects seclusion, that emphasizes action rather than pure speculation or mystical meditation. The commandments were not designed merely to enable the Jew to escape the corrosive influence of the world so that he can devote himself fully to spiritual endeavors. On the contrary, these spiritual pursuits above all Torah study are meant to lead to proper action, to the right response to the ever-changing conditions of life in order to prepare the world for the kingdom of God, as we put it in our daily prayers, this is one of the names of Hashem, so we don't pronounce it the way it's written, Shakai, okay? So the word Tikin Olam comes from this phrase right here in Aleinu, right, that we say at the end of each service, right, each prayer service, and we say, Olam, to fix the world, right, to rectify the world in, in the, for the kingdom of Hashem. In this way alone can man reach God. Not by a fanatic gushing over into the divine do we become servants of God, only in using the mind and freedom of will which God has given us in the earthly sphere to which he has appointed us, in the most complete faithfulness to God, do we ourselves attain the height of human perfection, and our earthly conduct of life gains the holiness that makes it worthy of the nearness of God. I mean, this is a, you know, um, worthy of putting on a magnet for our fridges, probably. Throughout his writings, Rabbi Shamshanafal Hirsch emphasizes the striving for holiness and closeness to God, but also that they can be attained only by carrying out God's will in the world. The modern era effectively banished religion from the sphere of active life. Largely under the influence of Christianity, religion came to concern itself with otherworldly matters outside the realm of rational consideration, explored purely through one's subjective feelings. Life, in contrast, was the arena of down-to-earth rational and scientific speculation, right? And by the way, if that is indeed the perspective of a different religious idea, different religious um, context, well, then it's very simple to understand why it is that they would have no issues with any sort of scientific contradictions to what they perceive to be their religion, because it's two different spheres completely, right? And we don't have to make them reconcile. They're dealing with two different ideas. We believe that indeed, if there is a contradiction between the Torah and science, we have to understand that. We have to try to figure out what is, what's the cause of that? What's the root of that? Let's try to reconcile that because the Torah deals with the natural world. The Torah deals with this world. It does not just deal with the esoteric, the abstract, the spiritual world. The Torah rejects the separation of what is termed the religious and secular aspects of life. Rabbi Salvechik famously said that, um, that Christianity took religion and it, um, and it made it only subject in, in temples, right? The Judaism is just as concerned with how you act in the boardroom and in the bedroom as it is with how you act in synagogue, right? I think it's a very pithy way of, of making that point. Instead, it calls for the union of soul and body, spirit and action, man and world. This union is expressed by the mitzvot, which impose spiritual meaning upon the material world, as is highlighted in particular by the emphasis, notably in Hasidic thought, that every mitzvah should find expression in thought and action as well as in speech, right? So when you do a mitzvah, you can do the mitzvah by rote and you can do the action, but you don't necessarily have too much of a thought about it. 
And you could also do the mitzvah thinking about it and doing an action, but not necessarily using your mouth. What Hasidism discusses, and it's really a Kabbalistic idea, we're supposed to engage all three different planes. We're supposed to engage the plane of thought, the plane of speaking, and the plane of action. So Hasidim, before they do a mitzvah, they will actually do something called a, they'll make a short statement. Even if there's no blessing, they'll make a short statement. I am now prepared and ready to do this mitzvah action. So they want to speak it out with their mouth, engaging their mouth in that mitzvah as well. Which links the two. Thus, Rabbi Shamshan Fal Hirsch called for the reconquest of life for the Torah. Okay, so we have to understand is not to separate ourselves from this physical world, right? You know, I was learning tonight with some, with some uh, college kids, and we were talking about that it says in Shema that you have to love Hashem with both or, or all of your hearts, right? Which the Talmud famously says means that you need to harness the power of the Yetzir Hara, right? Of the evil inclination, but let's define it more, more uh, precisely as our physical nature. We have to harness that power as well in the sake of acting for the sake of God. Let's skip now. This is going to be a little bit of a getting into the weeds right here. And I would skip to page 255 in my edition. And it's at the bottom of the page. And in emphasizing the application of Torah to worldly life, Rabbi Shamshan Rafael Hirsch very clearly saw the dangers inherent in worldly endeavors and the difficulties encountered in dealing with them strictly according to the Torah's demands. Thus, he did not view the approach of Torah im derech Eretz as an easier way for the Torah observant Jew, and did not present it as a convenient compromise designed to enable the Jew to lead a comfortable life in the modern world. Because that's not what it is. Who said it makes it easier? It doesn't make it easier. Nor did he see it as hora'at shah. Hora'at shah means temporary dispensation, a specific and temporary response to the conditions of his age. Such an interpretation is ruled out in the face of his explicit statements to the contrary in the 19 letters and in his other writings. Um, at most, details of his specific educational program can be considered time-bound as they depend in good part on the circumstances in which one lives, but not his general concept of the ideal life. This he saw as a duty, as the true fulfillment of God's will. And it's a very important understanding of what Torah Darach Haaretz means overall, not in terms of the educational perspective or framework, but rather in terms of the purpose in this life is not just to, like you said, to be removed from the physical mundane realities and just busy ourselves with Torah and mitzvot's pursuit our entire life. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to take the physical, take the spiritual, and harness everything and elevate everything that we do for the sake of Hashem. Let's go a little bit further. We find the same idea spelled out at length in Meshachachma points out that truly unique individuals can indeed attain closeness to God purely by spiritual and intellectual self-perfection, but only at the price of total disengagement from all earthly concerns and physical needs. This is how Moshe Rabbeinu was able to ascend Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai Moshe Rabbeinu, he spends six days eliminating everything from his body, and then he goes up for 40 days and 40 nights, does not eat or drink for 40 days and 40 nights. He is not living on a human plane at all. And that is the only way to actually achieve a tremendous closeness with Hashem. But that's not what Hashem wants us to do, right? Adam and Chava, they wanted the bigger challenge in life, so they eat from the eight sadas. But that wasn't what Hashem wanted, right? Hashem doesn't want you to live the life in which you are completely removed from this world, right? The Torah, however, directs us towards a way that enables ordinary men to attain perfection and also elevates their physical side to the highest level when they will conduct all worldly matters according to the laws of his holy Torah, 
and make their free choice rule over the laws of nature moved by God's will, then they will reach true perfection. And this is their main purpose. Through practical mitzvot, it is possible for all to attain perfection and also for the material to be elevated and the divine presence to dwell on earth. According to Meshachachma, from Meir Simcha of Devinsk, this explains why only Aaron and not Moshe could bring the Shekhinah to descend upon the sanctuary. Moshe's sanctity transcended the earthly sphere, whereas Aaron served God within it. Okay, fascinating idea. Uh, similarly, we say that Shammai and Hillel, Shammai was not as involved with this world as Hillel was, right? And Shammai was involved in the world on a higher plane in which Hashem's presence is more openly manifested in this world, in which we don't have to be as involved with the physical world, which is why, according to some, we have a tradition that after Mashiach comes, the halacha will follow the opinion of Shammai because there'll be a completely different existence. Perhaps it won't be this existence in which we will have to be meat eaters to elevate this world. Maybe we'll all reach the level of being vegan because we won't need to be as physically involved to elevate this world. We'll be able to be more removed and still elevate the world. But this is, according to the Meshachachma, and a very, um, as always, very inventive and creative understanding. So he explains that that's why when Moshe is doing the uh, Meluim, right, he's doing the, um, the inauguration of the, of the tabernacle, Hashem's presence doesn't come down. It's not until Aaron comes together with him that Hashem's presence comes into the Beis HaMikdash. Uh, sorry, into the Mishkan at that time. Okay, so we're going to go on hiatus now for the next couple of weeks.